Amen. That's our prayer today. That was kind of a prayer and a, and a, and a, and a talk. Um, if you're watching us on Facebook today, we're really glad that you're here and watching. There's going to be a little bit of a, a shift. The worship team's going to move back. Uh, there's going to be uh, some folks from the pastor's cabinet that are going to come forward uh, and join us on stage. Uh, if you're joining us on Facebook today, we're really glad that you're watching. Um, today, we're going to do something completely different. Uh, and special from our series, the Holy Spirit series. If you've missed any part of that series, you can listen to it on our Facebook page. Just scroll through the videos. You'll see part one, two A and B, three, four A and B, and five A and B. That's as far as we've gotten. Uh, we're going to continue that series. We're just pausing today. Um, we're just pausing today to ask some very common questions uh, that people ask for the Holy Spirit series. But here's our goal at Light and Life. Anytime you come into contact with any of our folks out in the community, or if you experience, um, if you join us on Sunday morning, we hope that you don't just experience church. We hope that you experience the presence of God in your living rooms right now, and you experience his power, the power of his presence and his word right in your homes. And if you ever run into a light and life church person, uh, one, of, one of our members, I really hope you experience that from them. Um, so I did forget to acknowledge our campus in Texas. I forgot that Alan and Carmi uh, left for Texas, and so we just want to say good morning to our campus in Texas. And also, um, you know, if, if it's 7 o'clock at night right now, and you're just watching us, and you were supposed to join us at 10 a.m., can I just tell you that Kristen Buer, who just got induced for labor is watching us in between contractions. So that doesn't make you look too good. So you better join us next week right at 10 a.m. Kristen, we are praying for you, and I just want to say a quick prayer right now. Father, we just lift up Kristen and Zach uh, to you, and let's not forget the husband and all the emotions and all the stuff that the husband goes through. Father, we pray that this birth of this baby, their first child, would be just an incredible experience. Um, may the pain, because I know there's going to be pain, may the pain just be easy uh, for her and have a quick delivery and allow them to just have an unbelievable, I want, you to, I want you to picture your heart, the heart that God has for you in this moment of the birth of a child. Because those first few moments, having four children myself, I know that those first couple minutes with a child and the bonding experience, is so precious and so beautiful and so valuable that you cannot put a price tag on it. May Zach feel that, the love that he's going to have for this child, a love that he's never experienced before in his life. His heart is going to be so full. And Kristen's, may they have just a beautiful experience. And Father, help us, help us, all of us, to have that same bonding, loving, beautiful moment with you every single day. And for anybody out there that has never had that moment, just say a prayer. Father, forgive me for my sins. Come into my life and be my Lord and Master. And you can have that same experience that Zach and Kristen are going to have today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've learned a lot so far about the Holy Spirit. Um, like I said, we're going to do something different, so I just want to uh, welcome uh, the panel that I've chosen today. Uh, my wife, Angel, who sits on the pastor's cabinet uh, with us, and she's also my wife, which is a really rough role 
to be in. Uh, pastor Josh is our assistant to the pastor. He's also our treasurer. He helps with Children's Church, leading it with his wife, and he's also our treasurer. So he's carrying a lot uh, of, of roles. So we're really glad to hear Josh. And it's really good to see you, by the way, because I don't think I've seen you in a long time since this quarantine. I see Katie a lot. Uh, Katie is also on our pastor's cabinet. Uh, she is involved in missions and travels all over the world and has so much experience in training through YWAM. Am I forgetting anything about Katie that I should say? Oh, she, and she's a, a leader of the MCC, the, the, the director of the missions core course uh, that's going on right now at our, at our church. If you're interested in any kind of that training, uh, please look up Found Ministries. Go to our Facebook page or go to their Facebook page. Contact us and we'll let you know. Uh, we have a training going on right now, not just for international missions, but also for local missions. And so we started that this year. It's, this is the first year uh, through Alan Crookham and Found Ministries. We're so, I'm just blown away that they have joined us and partnered with us as a church and brought that ministry to our church. And so they've just made us look better. Thank you, Alan. Uh, you've made us look better. And so if you're interested in that or know anybody that's interested in that, uh, please look us up. We'll have it again next year and we'll do it even better next year, right? So we're in the, we're in the learning stage of that. And so... Uh, we're just really honored, honestly, that you're here and willing to put yourself out. They're willing to put themselves out there uh, to the public, to the world, and answer some questions that I have. And so we're just really grateful for them. And they're all prayed up and ready to go. So don't worry about them. Um, so we've learned a lot about the Holy Spirit so far. We're going to continue to teach you more in the next couple of weeks. Our focus beginning next week. So we've done a biblical study on what the Bible says through John Bevere's uh, An Introduction to the Holy Spirit book, and I took a class online with him uh, with that, and so that was a biblical, and we're going to answer questions based on that so far, but what we're going to go into next is how to be in step, how to be in step with the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. So the practical application is what's coming next. The activation, that's a word Katie loves to use, the activation of living out a step-by-step -step relationship with the Spirit of God. That's what we're going to go into next. What does it look like to walk with the Spirit in your home? What does it look like to walk with the Spirit at work? What does it look like to walk with the Spirit in your church and in the world? I think it's going to be huge. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Angel and Katie are up next week. As long as they can come up with some material, they are up next week. I'm going to try to figure out how to get Alan involved in that and Pastor Josh. Um, but it's going to be awesome. We're going to give you tools uh, on your intimacy with the Spirit of God. So today is about asking common questions that people have about the Holy Spirit. Most of them will be about what we've learned so far, so there'll be a little bit of a review, but with a different, maybe a different flavor that you will be able to understand instead of my flavor or John Bevere. So I'm going to read a question uh, from my online course with John Bevere. We are also going to read some questions that are submitted by our church members because I sent out a text. If you're on the texting list, if you're not, just let me know and I'll put you on. Uh, they've asked some questions. And here's what's great. We want you to be involved. So we have Dusty off to the side online right now on our live feed. And she's going to be monitoring that live feed for any questions that our online guests have. You can submit a question online right now, but here's one of the rules that I have. Make sure it's a genuine question. 
Make sure that you're just not out there trying to cause trouble, trying to stump us or try to trick us. Make sure that it's a question that you've always had about the Holy Spirit and you've never been able to find the answer for it. So please type your question in the comment section um, below or to the side of your video and Dusty will write those down and get those to me and then uh, we will decide depending on the relevancy of the question, time, uh, and whether I think they're smart enough. We'll try to answer that. So don't be offended if we don't read your question. Uh, our panel on stage will either answer the question that I pose directly, or they are going to add to the answer that John Bevere gives uh, in our course study that we took. So, um, or they're just going to look at me dumbfounded, and they're not going to know what to say. And if they give me the dumb look, I'll just move on to the next question. Either way, we just hope that you're blessed by this time. Please stay connected. This may not be your flavor, but we're asking you to stay connected with us and don't be distracted in your homes. And please understand, we, we are not saying that we are the experts on this subject. We have just yielded our spirit to the Holy Spirit to speak through us. And our goal today is to not misrepresent him. So if we do something off today, we will apologize this week or next week. Um, but, but we are not saying that we are the perfect experts for this. Uh, we just want you to be blessed by some questions. Are you ready? This is going to be so much fun. All right. I'm going to read the first question, and then the panel can add to it. So if you all remember, during the series, we talked about uh, this, this question actually came from one of the members in our church. Uh, we, talked about, um, we talked a lot about the Trinity and what it means. So the first question is this, what is a good way to explain the Trinity to people? So I'm going to give one of those ways in a second, like an illustration. Uh, it doesn't really go in depth. And then the second part of that question is, how would you explain their different roles in our lives? I will explain that in a minute as well, um, but they may have a different way of explaining it that will connect with someone, someone that's listening. So what is a good way to explain the Trinity to people, and how would you explain their different roles in our lives? So John Bevere's response was this. There are many examples to help you understand this. So here's one that he used in his book. You have water. You have water, and water can take on three different forms. You have steam, which is gas. You have the liquid, which is water. And then you have the solid, which is ice. So water can take on three different forms, and yet they all still have the exact same molecular makeup. No matter what form water takes on, the molecular structure is not changed, okay? No matter what form it takes on, it's still water. That's one of the examples that you can use. Three distinct forms, but yet it was one. That's the one example that you can use for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The beauty, he says, in this is that the Trinity provides and plays different roles in our lives. Before, Therefore, because they play different roles, think about this. I don't know if I ever thought about this until he answered this, the way, I, the way I thought about this. The fact that all three play different roles means that that way our, all of our needs can be met. So if we just go after God, we may feel like he's not meeting all of our needs. If we just go after God and Jesus, we're going to feel like they're so far away that we're alone. We have to add the Holy Spirit. We have to have all three involved in our lives to make sure that all of our needs are met. Think about that. Depending on what we're going through, sometimes we need a father figure, don't we? We need God the Father to step in and give us love and discipline, okay? Sometimes we need a savior. Sometimes we need healed. 
Sometimes we need mercy. Sometimes we need grace. And sometimes we need forgiveness. That's where our Savior Jesus comes in. And then sometimes we need a mother figure. Sometimes we need a sensitive counselor to deal with our emotions. He's emotional. He, he, he guides us. He teaches us. He, the Holy Spirit, is an incredible comforter. So we need some things from the Holy Spirit as well. Here's the biggest point that I want to make before the panel responds. The Holy Spirit is the one who is with us right now on earth. He's the only one of the Trinity that is with us right now on earth. I understand the presence of God is here, the presence of Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is right here. He's with us. So that relationship with the Holy Spirit is crucial for you to navigate this life. It is crucial for you to navigate this life. So eventually Jesus will return and we won't have a need for the Holy Spirit like we do now. And the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus to us. Uh, Without him, Jesus will seem far, far away. Uh, But the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom for right and good choices and decisions, right? All you have to do if you're a believer is just address and ask the Holy Spirit to be a part of your life and he will help and guide and speak to you. And I'm telling you, your life will never be the same again. So, panel, what can you add to this that might help someone understand the different roles that the Trinity plays in our lives? So, the first thought that I had is that uh, the Trinity is the original family. Um, And I was basically going to say what you just said and echo it, that God uh, as a father, the Holy Spirit as a mother, and Jesus as a brother. It's something that we work a lot with when we do inner healing. Um, It's called the Father Ladder. And so we look at the attributes that each of the the persons of the Trinity give to us in relationship. The Father gives us identity and purpose and destiny. The Holy Spirit comforts us. um, He guides us. He leads us. And Jesus, as our brother, walks alongside us, forgives us, um, is our model. He's our role model. Um, So just to echo that, it's very family-related. Awesome. What a great picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, one of my thoughts, and just uh, to bring it out here, you know, um, some people say, well, you know, are all three seen in the scriptures? So I just want to share the one scripture where all three are, are there. And um, I didn't write down what book of the Bible. I believe it's in Luke. Um, but um, 22, verse 22 says this, um, and the Holy Spirit descended on him bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. And in this one moment in the, in the, the Bible, this was right after Jesus um, became baptized, we see God speaking. We see the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove to Jesus, and Jesus is there. And we kind of see their relationship. And, you know, the, the Trinity really is their, God's relationship um, with, with the different parts. I think the the thing that I would say differently, I was going to say the same thing that Katie did and what you said and, and even what um, uh, Pastor Josh said is, is as, as you grow in your faith, it's fun when you're having your intimacy time to learn the different voices and then the way that they speak to you. Because often, you know, God is, uh, I often say that God often prophetically speaks. Jesus is the one that comes and 
kind of helps you navigate and walk alongside you with what he spoke, but the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of of making that that prophecy to come to life into your life. Um, so I would just say that that differently. And it's really fun as you grow in intimacy to learn the different voices. Um, I had someone ask my dad, I think, he said, well, who came to you and told you that? And my dad's like, well, I don't know. And he said, sometimes it's really important to know, was that Father God? Was that Jesus? Or was it Holy Spirit that spoke that to you? So as you grow in faith and maturity, you can learn to recognize the different voices. And it's fun to say, oh, God came to me, or Jesus came to me, or Holy Spirit. So, so it's good. really good. So good. Mm -hmm. Good? Wow, what a great, great question. Uh, we did cover this in the series, but I love the... Uh, the, the, the way they expounded on it. So if you want more information, you can uh, either go listen to, you know, buy the book, John Bevere's book, Holy Spirit, an introduction. Um, sign up for his online course if you want to take his online course, or you can listen to our messages on our Facebook. Thank you, panel. Um, that was a great response. So moving on to the next question, uh, another one from one of our church members. So we talked about the role of the Holy Spirit uh, in our lives from a biblical standpoint, being baptized in the Spirit, praying in tongues, uh, learning how to fill ourselves up with the Spirit. And I, I think if I forget, that's one of the ones I want to really hone in on is how do we do that? Um, uh, so I'm going to read a response after the question, and then the panel can add to it. How, here's the question, question number two. How can I recognize, how can I recognize the guidance of the Holy Spirit. By, by the way, let me just say, these questions were so good that you intimidated the panel a little bit. Um, well, I heard the word, these are juicy questions. I heard these are very intense questions. So this is really cool. We're really putting them on the spot, and I'm so glad I'm not on the panel today. Uh, question number two, how can I recognize the guidance of the Holy Spirit? This came from one of our members. John's response is very short, but he said, in the book of Colossians, it says to let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Then it says in Romans chapter 8, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, if, he said if you actually look up the word sons there in the Greek and the Hebrew, one of them, it means mature sons, mature sons. Not every Christian is led by the Spirit, he says. Many are led by their emotions. Some are led by their intellect. Some are led by their situations and circumstances. So I just want you to remember that we talked about how mature believers, mature believers are led by the Holy Spirit. How? How did we say? The Spirit bears witness to our spirit. So maybe, panel, you can expound on that. What does it mean or what does it look like when the Spirit bears witness? So we have several, several questions for you, okay? So you can attack either one or all three. So how can I recognize the guidance of the Holy Spirit? Uh, what are the different ways that God speaks to us? In other words, like how do I recognize this? How do I know it's me? How do I know if it's other voices, you know, in my head? Like sermons I've heard or really bad, maybe even evil voices versus God's voice. How do I distinguish the voices in my head? And how do I know which one is God? What are the different ways that God speaks to us and maybe address it with what keeps us from recognizing the Holy Spirit? So, you know, how do we recognize what, 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 what will keep us from recognizing? What does it mean that the Spirit bears witness? Ready, go. <laughs> That's a mouthful. 
So that is a very good question, and that is a lot of questions in one, and typically I spend a whole week teaching a class on this. Um, but to succinctly put it, I think it comes down to three things. Um, for me, it's character, relationship, and our posture. Say so, that again, repeat those. Character, character relationship, relationship, and our posture. And our posture. So uh, throughout the world, as I've traveled, one of the big distinguishing factors of is it God's voice, is it my voice, is it the enemy, is it a different God, has always come down to the character and nature of God. When I'm in foreign cultures and I and we pray for someone and they hear God speak or they see a miracle, they instantly go, my God never sounded like that. My God never moved powerfully. My God was never alive. My God never interacted with me. My God never spoke destiny, identity, or in a loving fashion to me. So it's really his character and nature that starts to distinguish his voice from other voices. So, and that's a good indication of whether it's us too, because we know what our flesh sounds like. Our flesh is usually bound up in sin, um, jealousy, selfish ambition, uh, self-absorbed, negativity, criticism, etc. So we can start to distinguish our flesh and, and the way it sounds and God's character specifically from the Word of God. So the Word of God is the model of God's nature and character. So let me ask you a question. So if God, if I, if someone said to me, I'm really putting you on the spot, but I think it, it's, it's a, it's a hypo, it's um, an obvious answer. What is that called? Hi, uh, rhetorical question. If, if I hear the voice that God gave me this cancer, that does not line up with the, with the character of God. It doesn't line okay. up with Scripture. It doesn't line up with the character and nature of God and the precedents we see in Scripture. Okay. Yep. So then um, the second part I'd say is relationship. He is so relational with us. So um, in 1 Kings 19 is a great place to see the ways that God starts to speak and Elijah's interaction with God speaking to him. And the way that he encounters God is very personal. Um, and so God wants to speak personally to us, so it is going to be intimate details about us when he speaks. It's going to be um, matters of our heart. It's going to be close to our heart. It's going to be intimate. Um, and then tagging off that is our posture. So that can answer how we hear him and also what's keeping us from hearing him. If we're postured in a proud place and, and we think, I don't need God, I can do this on my own, uh, I like my control better, those are things that are definitely going to hinder us from hearing God's voice. Likewise, uh, or on the flip side, if we are postured in a humble and lowly place, we're going to hear him much clearer. But more than just humble or lowly or proud and haughty, um, our posture of proximity is huge. Um, and so the closer we get to him, the, the easier it is to hear his voice. The more time we spend with him, the more intimate we get with him, um, the more we recognize it through practice. So good. So good. Anybody else? Wow. <laughs> like anyone first. <laughs> that was a whole teaching in five minutes. Wow. So much wisdom here. Um, I just want to share this. Uh, and recently, I, um, when we started the Holy Spirit series, um, God put a book on my on, on my heart, and I was reading and studying, and I was looking for another book to read. And I um, was going through Audible and looking at different authors and really coming dry. And this one author keep, kept coming up, and I'm like, I really don't want to read this book. Um, but I finally uh, kind of like this uh, inner, I think I should, I think I should, I think I shouldn't, I don't know. Um, so I said, sure, why not? And I remember I was, in the, I was in the middle of the book, and I listened to it on audio. It's just easier for me. And I got out of my car. I pulled in my driveway. I listened to my audible book on the way home, got out of my car, and I, I shut the door, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said, 
told you that was the right book because I just spent you know my 45 minute drive crying because this book was just speaking to my life and I'll tell you the book it was uh, Reinhard Bunke's book um, and it was this uh, I think it's this autobiography or a biography What's and the it was, I think it's called like the story of Reinhard Bunke or something like that but um, it was speaking to me so much in my life and just God had a real moment with me said told you and it was cool to see that he cares, but also the follow through. A lot of times I think the Holy Spirit will come in and, and reassure us in the middle of it. You know, when we take that leap, that leap of faith, there's that backing there to just kind of continue us on and that reminder of, yeah, I was there in that decision and you're still going strong. So good. Yeah, so the only thing I would say different is um, Holy Spirit will never direct you against the word of God. It's never going to contradict the purpose of scripture, ever. So that's, that's always my guideline. And I never go by feelings because I always, every time I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't feel like doing that. I remember Job. <laughs> and then, or not Job, Jonah. And I remember the story of Jonah. You know, our heart motivation can be wrong, but it's still the Holy Spirit moving us in a direction we may not want to go. So I don't ever line up what I'm hearing by what I'm feeling or my circumstances or Around, I always line it up with scripture and the purposes of scripture. You know, I always, when God asks me to do something I don't necessarily want to do, I, I tend to be, uh, well, then what's the purpose of this? And it always lines up with scripture. And that's how I know when it's, you know, what's the purpose behind this? It's not the motivation behind it. It's what, the, what is your purpose behind this? And so I line it up with that awesome. scripture. Anything to add? Go ahead. Yeah. So I wanted to touch on the different ways that God speaks briefly. Um, he can speak through his word, like we've said numerous times. He can speak through other people. Like I learned so much when, when Mark speaks or when, when I'm listening to a teaching, the Lord is speaking to me through yeah. that. So he speaks to us through other people, through sermons, through music. He speaks to us through dreams, through symbols, through coincidences and life circumstances. Um, and I would say overarching all the different ways that God speaks, he kind of has two methods that he will speak in this variety of ways. And one is through um, water and then through rushing water. And, and that that's, signifies he either speaks once or he overwhelms us and speaks multitudes of times. So you may have, like Josh had, this one moment where Holy Spirit said, I told you so. <laughs> and you get this one succinct gut punch from the Lord, I spoke and you heard kind of deal. Or you might hear from rushing waters. And rushing waters is like, you hear it on the radio, this theme. Mark preaches on it the next week. Like Your a friend repetitive, calls you. A repetitive word. Yes, yes. And so God will sometimes bring this repetitive word to you, overwhelming us. And I just, I jokingly refer to that as the many waters. John talks about it in Revelations that the, the Lord spoke through the many waters. Wow. So. so good. So brilliant. Um, yeah, so, and I think, I think as long as you remain humble and teachable, your relationship with the Lord is always growing. Uh, the way you hear his voice is always growing. I used to discount dreams uh, until recently when I realized that God was speaking to a lot of people through dreams. Uh, I no longer, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I don't know how to interpret them, uh, but I'm learning from, from people in our church. Um, but but I'm, I'm, I just want you to know that I'm in a place right now of learning to take my dreams more seriously. And so now I go to the people that I believe that are gifted in interpreting dreams. I just share them with them just in case 
there the wor- a word from God. I'm still not there where I sense that I, sometimes I believe it's God, but I'm not so sure. So, you know, that's what's great about the counsel of many. That's why we're doing this. There's wisdom, Proverbs says, in the counsel of many. And so if you have a dream that's powerful, it, I don't know, it just left a mark on you, make sure you write it down word for word. Share it with somebody that you trust that may have the gift of interpretation. Uh, bring it to us, and we'll, we'll, we'll hook you up with a team um, that will help you maybe interpret and see if God's not trying to speak to you through that dream, or you have a word for somebody else, or it's for our nation, for you just to pray about. Um, so don't take your dreams lightly. Um, that's where I am. But my point is, uh, you will always be learning new ways and a deeper ways, if you've already understand all the ways, then deeper ways of hearing God's voice. Good, good answer. Good question, by the way, from one of our members. Okay, thank you, panel. That was a great, that was great. Moving on to the next question. This one comes from my online course. This goes right along with the last question. And this question, I believe, is huge for, for a lot of us. Uh, I'm going to read a response after the panel. Uh, um, oh, after the panel. So I'm going to let them respond first. And then um, I will respond with John's response. So question number three is, is it possible to feel a peace about something? Is it possible to feel a peace about something and to actually not be God? Is it possible to feel a peace about something, but it not be God's will for us? Go. Can I jump? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the thing. I think the key to this is you have to understand God's peace versus your peace. And I think too often we... We put peace as a feeling or an emotion. It's not. Because I believe that we think we have God's peace when really we have a flesh peace because we want something so bad we're comfortable taking the step. Um, But I also think, because I have done a lot of things, I, I, I think of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was like, not my will, Lord, your will be done. It does, he, he was fearful, he, he didn't want to move forward, but yet something shifted in him spiritually that gave him the endurance to do something that would be extremely difficult to do. So I think the key with this question is you have to understand God's peace versus man's peace and have to understand what God's peace looks like and do a do a study on that for yourself in scripture because I do believe that you may feel peace and step out of God's will because you want something so badly. Just as much as you can do something you don't want to do because you're petrified in the moment, but you know that it's God's will for your life. So you have this unbelievable peace that is far different than a fleshy peace come on you so that you can step out in faith in the middle of a storm and walk on water knowing that Jesus has got you, even though you don't want to be where you're at right now. So good. So. To expand on what Angel's talking about, I think sometimes we can uh, self-justify mm. our actions. You know, um, we can make sense of our sin. You know, yeah. people that are, are mm-hmm. living in sin and, you know, there was a, yeah, we can spiritualize it. Or mm-hmm. even a little less of spiritualizing it, I, I think of, you know, years ago in my life where I was living in sin and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to marry this girl one, one day anyway, so I'm just jumping the gun a little bit. It's okay. Mm-hmm. And I came to the point of oh, God understands because 
I'm almost like self-prophecy. I'm self-fulfilling my prophecy. This is going to happen. And I justified it. So I reassured myself and I gave myself that false sense of peace mm -hmm. as my coping. Yeah. Well, I'm coping in this sin and I'm taking I'm kind of taking the peace away from God and I'm, and I'm building it my, I'm building up my own altar of mm -hmm. what I want this peace to be. Wow. And so we have to be careful that we're not actually saying, okay, I want, and you know, earlier we said, whatever God's telling us is not going to go against scripture. So if we're living in a place that we're trying to go directly against God's scripture, mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter what peace you feel. That's right. It's fabricated. Self-prophesying. I've never heard that before, but I get it now. It's uh, basically we want something. And so we kind of put God behind our tag. Uh, instead of really knowing and getting confirmation that this is God. We, we put our own, we even put a verse to it. We'll put a verse to it. We'll tag a verse to it. So any, anybody want to add anything? Yeah, I'll add something. Um, at the end of God's Not Dead, there, one of the characters gives an illustration of what it's like when the enemy lures us into bondage and... They put, he puts us in a, a jail cell, but then he makes it look very luxurious so we don't realize we're in bondage. Mm -hmm. And so when Angel was talking about man's peace versus God's peace, I was thinking about how it comes down to where we place our security mm -hmm. and what, what we find our security in. And I think man's peace comes from familiarity mm -hmm. and complacency. Mm -hmm. It comes from comfort. And so it's if we have security in our comfort, we can mistake that as God. So if God says, hey, I want you to give all your money to the poor. I want you to move overseas and become a missionary. And we say, that's not comfortable. I don't have peace. Must not be God. Mm -hmm. But God doesn't, his voice and his security is not in our comfort. Um, it's, in, it's in him. Amen. And so I, I think that's just the small distinction between us. I think that's good. I think, I think this all comes back to something Katie said earlier about intimacy. The closer we are, the more we'll, the closer we are to the the Trinity, the more we'll be able to recognize their voices. And so, I hope as believers that there's a there's a healthy fear of what we're talking about of not being out of God's will. Uh, there there is a reverence for God. There is a there is a holy fear that we better be careful that we're not doing our own thing and putting God's tag to it. Uh, we want to know and have confirmation that where we are and where we are going is God and not our flesh. So you have to learn about that whole battle between the spirit and the flesh. You have to have close intimacy with the Holy Spirit. That's why I don't understand why anybody would kick them out of their church or out of their lives. Um, because he is there to guide us and counsel us in all the ways and the will of God. So this, that's why it's so important. These are great, great questions um, I just want to remind you as we pause here for a minute, I'm going to explain this in John's ways. Please, if you have a question, um, make sure that you ask Dusty online uh, on our live feed. So this is the way John responded. It's basically just to uh, uh, back up what they just said. Is it possible to feel a peace about something? And the only reason why I'm going to read this is because he says something very interesting that they just said, but he used a word that really rocked me. It's, is it possible to feel a peace about something and it actually not be God? John Bevere's response was, yes, absolutely. In Ezekiel chapter 14, God talks about people who came to him with idols in their hearts. Now, what is an idol? A, the New Testament idolatry for us today is covetousness. When you covet something, when you desire something, when you crave for more power or wealth or possessions, and or if you crave or desire what your neighbor has, 
Um, God says that when, they, when those people who have idols in their hearts ask for something, here's what he says. I will answer them according to the multitude of idols that are in their hearts. John continued to say, and I want you to listen closely to this next part. This is the part that really rocked me and will keep a lot of us from making bad decisions. He said, when I go into the presence of God, specifically to ask him for something, I have to make sure that my heart is neutral. Neutral is the word that just rocked me. In other words, if you're praying, I'm going to bounce off of what Pastor Josh said. If you're praying about a person that you want to marry, you have to separate. You have to separate the attraction element. You have to separate the provision element, especially if you're a single mom out there and you are just desperate for your child to have a dad and a father and for you to have a a husband because you're so lonely. Listen, you have to separate the provision element of your desires and the attraction element of your desires from dominating you. I'm not saying get rid of them. Those are real desires that God wants to uh, fulfill in your life. I'm not talking about getting rid of them completely. I'm saying when you go into the prayer closet and you're going to ask God, is this person the one for me that you have chosen? You have to be neutral. What does that mean? You know that you're in a neutral place when everything looks good. They're the perfect person. They have a job. They make a lot of money. They have everything I'm looking for. They're really good looking. They're hot, right? But when, but when everything looks good, but when God says no, you're okay with that. That's being in a neutral place. Because if he says no to you, no matter how good that person looks, or how good that job looks, or how good that car looks that you want to buy, that means he has something better for you if he says no. You have to believe that. Because if you're leaning one way, if you're leaning one way, you will, you will get a false peace, okay? So in other words, that's what John Bevere said. In other words, I walked in in 1990, I walked into uh, my brother's house on Thanksgiving Day, and as soon as I got to the, stop, the top of the stairs and I saw that, when I saw that, immediately the Spirit of God said, you're going to marry her. And I used to hear people talk about this all the time, and I just thought it was a joke. But I knew, and it was so strong, It was so strong that when I sat down in the chair, I started to weep, and my brother saw me crying, and he started asking me why, and I just told him it was my allergies, okay? So I came up with an excuse. Um, This is what I had to do. I had to take a step back in my spirit and ask, did I hear what I heard because she is hot? Did I hear that because she's good looking? Then I found out that uh, she was on fire for God, and of course, that attracted me. Right away, I was like, what? She's got like a really strong relationship with God. I had to take a step back in my spirit, and I had to ask, do I think she's the one because she's spiritual? All right? I had to remove myself, remove what I was seeing, and truly ask the spirit if she was the one. So the point of this is this. Just because everything looks good to our human flesh and we have a peace, we have to place ourselves in a neutral place remove the flesh, and then seek God for an answer. It always comes down to trust, okay? What, a, what amazing wisdom we have today with us. Thank you guys for that. That was awesome. Okay, 
Moving on to the next question, another one from my online course. It's a really good one at that, and I think it's kind of the elephant in the room when it comes to the Holy Spirit and the charismatic movement. Uh, We know that the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal Jesus to us, okay? So I'm going to read a response, and then I want you to add to it. Question number four is this. How is the manifestations of things like shaking, rolling on the floor, or falling down, getting slain in the Spirit, how are those manifestations revealing Jesus if the Holy Spirit's role is to reveal Jesus? And so I'm just going to add another challenge tag to that for the team. I'm so glad I'm not on the panel today. When I think, when I think that I might be seeing manifestations in a church service of the Spirit of God, how do I know if it's real or not? So just remember that. Okay, I did put it up there. Okay. John's response is this. The Bible talks about unusual signs, but usually those unusual signs are for a short season, and there are times when these things happen, and, it, and when it does, it gets people's attention, and it points them to Jesus. This is what I'll just add to it. You, you cannot disclaim this question because it is all throughout the Bible. There are weird, crazy things that happen all throughout Scripture. What is, John goes on and says, what is distasteful is when people get more into the manifestations than they do the manifester, the Holy Spirit. So if I see that in a service, if I see people trying to get attention on themselves instead of the Spirit, John says, I stop the service immediately. John said something powerful about people who want to show off their spiritual gifts publicly. Show off their spiritual gifts publicly. Listen to this. I thought this was amazing. Couples, married couples do not have intimacy in front of people. And it's like some people want to take their intimacy with God and show it off publicly. Almost to say, look at how intimately spiritually I am with God. And it's inappropriate in a way, he says. He went on to say, I have found that the more I know the Holy Spirit, listen to this, this is so powerful. He said, I have found that the more I know the Holy Spirit, the more I actually want to protect him and his gifts, and his abilities, and his power, with a very respectful, honoring type of way. Not in a quenching way. I'm not ashamed if he tells me to prophesy publicly, I will prophesy, but I'm not going to do it to show off. Not in a quenching way, but in a reverent, healthy, fearful way. It is honoring and obeying him, not just displaying him for my gain. Think about that. Isn't that powerful wisdom? So panel, how is the manifestations of things like shaking and rolling on the floor and falling down, revealing Jesus, and how do I know if it's real or not? I'll jump on that. Um, I actually started this question. I really like this question. Um, And um, this is kind of one of the things I thought about this. Um, My question is, who is is the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to? A lot of times we immediately go into uh, a revelation of the Holy Spirit is for a non-believer. And I think a lot of times some of these things, shaking, rolling on the floor, isn't necessarily for the unbeliever. And I'm going to use myself for for just one moment. Um, Years ago, I was probably 13 or 14, and I was in a deep, dark depression. I became saved um, younger in life, but I was really working through some things with God. I could laugh. Laugh was easy because you could fake a laugh. But I couldn't cry. And I mean, I went to a funeral, couldn't cry. I could not shed a tear because I bottled up all my emotion. And so we were at a a late night service. It was a Sunday night service or a Wednesday night service. And I was just pursuing God. 
I'm like, God, I, I need you more now than ever. And in that moment, God put me on the floor. Um, I, you know, Holy Spirit was on me. I was on the floor. And you know what? I can say I was in a sense of a trance. You know, we read in, the, in uh, Acts where Peter was in a trance. And he um, seen, you know, the, the pigs and the, the fowl coming down. He's like, God, I've never eaten any of that. In that moment, I'm sure if anybody walked up in that room, they say something's freaky is going on. <laughs> and as I was lying in the middle of this, uh, in the middle of this uh, aisle, just having this experience with God, I was rolling. I, I was laughing hysterically, and then something switched, and I began mourning. I mourned my parents' divorce. I, I mourned abuse. I mourned holding things in, this negativity that I had held in and bottled up. And if you've ever seen like a champagne bottle exploding, that's what happened. I exploded. And you know what, if anybody walked in right then, they probably thought I was demon possessed and rightly so. But it was a safe environment because there was 10 of us there. Every one of them was probably a lot further along in the relationship with Christ than I was. But it became a, po a personal, intimate moment. And let me tell you, I needed it. It saved my life. And, I, and I'm brought back to, you know, you may see a manifestation. And you're like, What's, who does that give God glory to? But a lot of times that the manifestation to Jesus in that moment is that personal experience for that person. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily point. for, you know, the, the visitors. And I'll wow. just throw this out here. A lot of times we think Sunday morning verse another time. My experience, and it may be different than the other panel members, but a lot of times when I see those things happening, they're at a Sunday night service. They're at an overnight prayer service. They can happen during regular worship service, but I'll go back. We went to a, a supernatural conference in uh, Harrisburg. The first night they said, hey, is there any new believers here? Or is there anybody that's not saved right now? We want to get you saved. Nobody raised their hands. The rest of the week, God showed up. He's like, okay, you're kind of like when you go to family's house, kick off your shoes. We're around family. We're going to relax a little bit. And it was like that because the, the guardedness, the protectedness, the sensitivity to, okay, you know, where's God going to go was kind of taken off a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it was less about we're trying to, you know, where am I trying to move? And it was more about, hey, God, where do you want to do? What do you want to show up? And we were really attuned to one another in a like embodiment. That's a long answer. And I apologize. Okay. But so, good. so good. I love that. Do you get, I just want to reiterate his point. A lot of times when you see a manifestation in a public service, they're not showing off. They're just engaging with the Holy Spirit, and it's for them. It's not to really benefit those who are watching. So be very careful. Be very careful to judge the Spirit. Be very careful. Protect your, protect, guard yourself against that. Um, so I, I, I have to say, one of the things that I remember is seeing manifestations that made me uncomfortable and often a manifestation will make you uncomfortable. Just because it's uncomfortable for you doesn't mean that it's not God. So we have to really guard our hearts against judging what we don't know what that person is experiencing. We can see what they're experiencing, but we don't know what's going on in their heart and their mind. And so uh, I think that's part of the judging that God causes us 
to be cautious of and be very careful because there's all kinds of manifestations in the word of God. Um, there's a really great article out there that Mike Bickle wrote and you can you find it. Again? Mike, Mike Bickle. Mike Bickle. B-I-C-K-L-E and it's on his page. It's MikeBickle.org. MikeBickle.org. And he does a beautiful teaching on manifestations. It's very balanced and just really, really good. Good, good, good. Um, but one of the things that he brought out in the article is what happens in the natural realm when a cold front and a hot front come together. Uh, incredible, crazy things happen, like thunderstorms, hurricanes, hailstorm, all of those things. And when the things flash... Things that scare us. Yes. Things that make us uncomfortable yes. all the time. Not yes. Dusty. She loves storms. Yes. I'm, I'm inside the house shaking to death. Yes. She's outside taking pictures. Yes. So, yeah. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And the same thing happens in our, our natural body when our flesh comes against the spirit wow. realm. Wow. Our body responds. And I'll say this, our body responds as much as we allow it to respond because some of us I won't mention any names, have control issues. And so we don't want to be out of control in any way, but that's part of our problem and why we're not seeing all that God wants and has for us is because we like to keep things contained. And I'm saying that God has never been contained, never has enjoyed being contained, and probably will never be contained. And so when a spiritual force comes against a natural force physically, your body will respond to the electricity. Wow. They say it's like touching a current, an electrical current, wow. which takes place. And I can tell you, that's exactly when I finally got to the place where I was slain in the spirit and I grew up around it my entire life, but it wasn't until my late thirties that I actually got slain for the first time. And it's because it wasn't until I matured in my faith to lay down and surrender my control that that could take place. And it's one of the greatest miracles that ever happened came out of that moment of being slain in the spirits when I got my neck healing. So that's all I have to say about yeah. it. By the way, she was pointing at herself when she said she was going to mention names. She pointed to herself so she wasn't thinking of somebody out there. Um, and that's really huge. I thought it wasn't it. Uh, who, who disappeared? Was it Elisha that just disappeared and went to be with the Lord? Elijah? Okay, so think about that. What if that happened on a Sunday morning? Somebody just in front of us Boy, wouldn't it be great if it was me? I would love that, Lord. I would love that. Ernie's praying for that, too. Um, what if they just disappeared? Would you doubt that? Like, that's probably the craziest thing that could happen. So to me, shaking or somebody falling over in the spirit, that's nothing compared to someone disappearing right in front of my eyes. Come on. Do you want to add or do you have anything good? All right, good. Thank you. What an incredible, juicy question. That was amazing. Wow, that was from our online course. Um, this next one. Uh, gets even more juicier. Uh, it's from one of our members, our church members. I think it bounces off the last question. Uh, in, in our series together, we talked about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I encourage you to go back and listen to it if you have more questions after today. Um, there's no response from John Bevere, but I did find a response that I will read if I need to. Um, but here's, here's what our member said. I've heard many explanations of what is meant about the scripture that talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit and, and that it's the only unforgivable sin. What exactly is the real meaning of this passage? Uh, so question number five is, how does someone blaspheme the Holy Spirit and why is it unforgivable? Man, am I glad I'm not on the panel today. Panel? <laughs> 
thing I will say, and it's I've heard it so many times, is if you're actually worried that you're blaspheming God, you're not blaspheming God because that tells you that your heart does not want to do anything to harm your relationship with God. Wow, so so if, if you're concerned that you may possibly blaspheme God, you won't. Um, so that's the first thing I'll there's say. So, there's so much peace in that yes. statement right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a willful, determined rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior is what I feel. Can you repeat that? It's a willful, determined rejection of Jesus Christ as Savior. You're choosing to deny him in your life, even though you may have experienced him, even though you had relationship with him, but you're like, mm, nope, I know what I'm denying and I'm walking away and I don't want anything to do with him ever. So let me just bounce off of that and then I'll go back to the panel. So when you read this passage in the Bible, um, you have to understand that Jesus had just performed a miracle. A demon possessed man was brought to Jesus and the Lord cast the demon out and this made a group of Pharisees very uncomfortable. And when they heard about the, the talk of the Messiah, they quickly squashed any budding faith in the crowd. They're, they're, they did not want people to believe. That was their role. Um, they actually said, it is only by Be Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow, Jesus, drives out demons. That's what they said. Um, so, so the term blasphemy may be generally defined as what the way angel just said it that's why i'm going to jump on defiant irreverence man when i think about the word of god that he's given to us about the lack of fear in a church i'm telling you i think a lack of holy fear of who god is and and i think this could bring in a possibility of blasphemy into the church even so we need to be careful the the term blasphemy is generally defined as defiant irreverence in other words it's cursing god it's a willful de degrading things relating to God. That's why we need to be careful about judging the shaking and the rolling on the floor. And the, and the, I think we need to be careful. I don't think you'll blaspheme God if you question it. But, but if you rebuke that as a demon when it's God, I think you're getting really close to blaspheming God um, of the Holy Spirit. Blaspheming, blasphemy is also attributing some evil to God or denying him some good that we should attribute to him. Um, this case in the Bible in Matthew 12, verse 31, however, is called the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. So the Pharisees, having witnessed irrefutable proof that Jesus was working miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit, claimed instead that the Lord was possessed by a demon. Now, uh, this is accusing Jesus Christ of being demon-possessed instead of spirit-filled. This particular type of blasphemy, they believe, people believe, cannot be duplicated today because Jesus was in their presence performing miracles. They were eyewitnesses and they chose to defy it. So they purposely attributed the work of the spirit to the devil, even though they had proof. Some people believe that this kind of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit cannot be repeated today by us. Although some people try. Jesus, why? Because Jesus is not on earth. He's at the right hand of God. No one can personally witness Jesus performing a miracle and then attribute that power to Satan instead of the Spirit. However, however, and I think this is where the panel is going to go, the unpardonable sin today is the state of continued unbelief. That's what we believe uh, is, the, is blasphemy today. To resist the conviction that you have inside of you that, that God is real 
and willfully remain unrepentant is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This is just somebody's opinion. And the choice is clear in the Bible. Whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. It is unpardonable. For God's wrath remains on him. So I have a scripture just to continue to back that up. Um, It's Hebrews 10, um, 26 through... Hebrews 10, 26 through 29. Through 29. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has spurned the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the spirit of grace? And so, I, like you said, it, he starts out by saying, if we go on sinning deliberately. deliberately. And so that's like a consistent lifestyle of sin that what it does is it sears our conscience. It desensitizes us to the spirit of grace. Uh, and so I think it's that searing of our conscience and that deliberate sin, that willful denial of the blood of Jesus to cover us, um, that really separates us from him. You can't, you can't accidentally separate yourself from the love of God. Yeah. He makes it very clear throughout scripture that he is on pursuit of us. So the only way that we pervade the pursuit of the love of God is if we willfully reject it again and again and again. Wow. Amen. Yeah, I, I want to add one thing. And this is not necessarily as much about blasphemy as it is our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I, it's not in the question. So I'm just going to touch on the grief of the Holy Spirit for one moment. Um, as we're as we're taking this and we're really looking at what it is, um, and this is my thought um, as I was pr- praying about this, but in an essence, by God giving us the Holy Spirit, God is expressing vulnerability. Mm. You know, He's giving us this gift, the Holy Spirit. When we looked at the fruits, you know, we're talking about meekness, gentleness, and I, I just really am, am, am picture the Holy Spirit as this complete gentleman, mm-hmm. this gentle person coming at you, and for us to publicly defy that we're we're basically you know going against that gentleness of who god is um and what his son and who the spirit who the holy spirit is living inside of us is supposed to be um so let let me just end it with this john bevere is very clear that he believes it is very difficult for us to blaspheme the holy spirit today Um, just like we believe it's very difficult to actually lose your salvation. But it doesn't mean either one of those are possible. Uh, Scripture backs both of those points up. So uh, we believe it's difficult, but possible. So just be careful of that. So I have a little tagline. Dusty just handed me a question from one of our online listeners that I think goes back to um, um, the guiding part of the, the question how do I recognize the guidance of the Holy Spirit? And I think this is really good um, because I'm convinced that, s- that when we talk about things like this, we may go down the road of God doesn't care about the little decisions of my life. So obviously we covered marriage. God does want to help you choose your mate because we're not supposed to be unequally yoked. So I think that's big. But the question come is, does the Holy Spirit direct specific actions, examples to buy a car to take this job, or to give an amount of money to someone. So can one of you just answer that real quick? 
or two? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. A resounding yes. Yeah. I believe that Holy Spirit wants to be as much of a part of your life yeah. as you allow him. Yeah. I believe, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm just going to be real, real here on live and you can judge me if you want. That's okay. We will. I know. <laughs> I am a, I'm a, like, Jesus, what do you want me to wear today? What should I wear today? Because sometimes I'm just a mood and I just don't know what my mood is. I'm a mood dresser. And if I don't know what my mood is, my outfit today was picked by Holy Spirit. So you can have them as part, as much wow. of a part of your life as you want. He wants to be a part of every single detail of your life if you let him. Wow. The Holy Spirit picked my outfit too. Because <laughs> I'm celebrating an anniversary or a, a victory in my life. I, I think it's the, it's the term we use to, to mm -hmm. describe us as Christian being Christ-like. I think that grows into our, our character. The more we become close to God, the more Christ-like we are. So now we're starting to walk in Christ with our actions. So to take Angel's piece just a little bit different angle, if I say, you know, today, I actually put on a belt today, I'm wearing dress pants, that was my decision, but it was, hey, I'm gonna honor God today by what I'm wearing. And although I didn't ask God what to wear, God was a part of my decision because I'm being Christ-like in the way that I'm living mm. and the way so I'm good. presenting myself. Okay. We just have a really quick answer by one person. I didn't realize it was 1130. So uh, another question from one of our online listeners. What if someone, what, uh, I'll just rephrase it. What if I heal somebody and someone accuses me of being a charlatan? What if I actually heal somebody from cancer and then I get accused of being a fake? Well, Jesus answered that very well in the Bible, you know, and it came back to how can how can God um, dismantle demons if he is part of the demonic? And it's the same with healing. God, God's all about healing. So you don't have to do anything with that. You can just pray for that person and love yeah, them anyway. Yeah, just let it go. Let it go. So here's a good one to follow up with the blasphemy um, on, from somebody online. And we're not going to have much time to take more. So how do you overcome the fear of grieving the Holy Spirit. How do I let that go and just embrace and engage and let go of the fear? I mean, we know fear is not from the Lord, so it might be just an easy, just let it go. But is there a way that we can work through that? Yeah, I, I think it's what you said. It's recognizing that the enemy is trying to distract your relationship with God by you constantly being afraid. So then it becomes performance instead of relationship. So it's discounting and saying, not today, Satan. Shut up. Get out. This is what God says about my relationship, and this is what I will focus in. It's taking our thoughts captive. captive. Yes. Yes. Good. Good answer. Anybody want to add? Uh, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect yes. love casts out Amen. fear. So if we continue to pursue intimacy and just be honest with the Lord, don't hide yeah. from Him in fear, but come to Him and say, "I am so scared that I'm going to hurt your heart." protect me, help me. How do I not hurt your heart? Where is this fear coming from? He wants to engage in a dialogue with us and he'll show us where that fear came from. Maybe it came from a lie. Maybe it came from your parents um, forsook you because of something, you know? And so he'll, he'll heal that area that's, that's creating fear in you. Amen. So good. So good. So I only have two more questions. We may only get to this last one, but I really want to ask this next question because it has to do with the gift of tongues specifically. Um, um if, this comes from two of our members. It's a two-part question uh, about speaking in tongues. The first part I think I covered really good in parts 5A and 5B of our series, especially at the end of 5B. It will really help you if you go back and listen to that. But maybe our panel will say it in a way that will connect with our listeners. 
Um, so here it is. It's in two parts. Question number six. As I pray about receiving the gift of tongues, how do I know if it's really God giving me the words or just something that I've heard someone say in a sermon? Um, and here's what they said, because I don't want to start saying something, saying things that aren't really coming from God, and it's just coming from my memory. First part of the question is, as I pray about receiving the gift of tongues, how do I know if it's really God giving me the words? Second part comes from another member of our church. Should I be afraid of losing my gift of tongues if I go days without using it? These are incredible questions. Um, Should I be afraid of losing my gift of tongues if I go days without using it? What a juicy question. Try to get the first one first. How do I know when I'm asking and I get like a, 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 a syllable or a and how do I know that's coming from God and not my flesh? So the first thing I would say is that without faith, we cannot please the Lord. And so I think what that is really coming down to is a faith or doubt question. Um, and it sounds like if you're asking that question, there's already doubt present. Mm-hmm. And so that needs cast out. Because the Bible says, if you ask me, you shall receive. especially spiritual gifts, yes. spiritual things that are in yeah. the word of God, you will receive them. Yes. So you're yeah. basically saying, stop doubting it. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. Because that's what we said in the series. Just say the word. Yeah. Just say it. Yeah. Trust yeah. God. I'm going to go the route. I'm not going to read it, but I would recommend checking out James chapter 3. Mm-hmm. In James chapter 3, it talks about the power of the tongue. Amen. And, um, you know, how a tongue is compared to a rudder of a boat guiding this giant vessel with just this little itty bitty thing in the water. Mm-hmm. And how powerful the tongue is in our in our walk. Mm-hmm. But to go back to what Angel said earlier with being slain in the spirit, I had to give control. Yes. And so you're going to feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel this is wrong. You're going to have doubt. So it is living in faith that I am doing this and it, you know, it is what it is. But with that, it's truly handing over that, that control to God and say, God, I'm giving you control of my mouth. Because we can't control it. And the fear. They're, they're, yeah. That question is based on fear. Like, how do I know? Not fear, well, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, doubt. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's really good. So you remember what we said last week. Just speak it. Mm-hmm. Just say it. The Holy Spirit can't force you to speak. You know, your tongue and your vocal cords, you just have to start speaking it. And, and I, my philosophy is even if it's from you, if your desire is to please the Lord and learn a heavenly language, he's either going to change it and tweak it or he's going to bless what you came up with. So the point is, is just start speaking that one word or that one syllable and God's going to grow it from there. Is that good? Okay. Second part of the question, should I be afraid of losing my gift of tongues if I don't use it often? Absolutely not. It's a gift. And it will never be taken from you, period. But you can grow the language. It's like muscle. You exercise it. The more you exercise it, the more it changes. And then you get new levels. And then there, then there becomes a war tongue, a praise tongue, a singing tongue, all different kinds of things. So you can grow it, but you can't lose it. Um, so part of, part of their response on uh, uh, their text to me was, um, sometimes I speak I almost said her name. Sometimes I speak Mark language and sometimes I speak God language. I think that's okay. That just means you're intermingling your prayer life with your, t- with your uh, tongue life, your spiritual uh, t- uh, gift life. So that's okay. Intermingle them. There's often times where I'm, I'm in English and then I'm in a heavenly language and then I'm in a language I don't even know what I'm doing. So it's okay to just kind of intermingle those. Just to touch base with what he's talking about, sometimes, you know, I'll be praying in my spirit and I, wanna, I will want to speak the English interpretation and speak it out and proclaim it. Yes. 
And so, so I will pray, God, I want the interpretation of that. Can I speak that in English? And I will jump back and forth mm -hmm. as I'm proclaiming a prayer or just spending time worshiping in God. Mm -hmm. Amen. Our hearts clear. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts? Oh, I think you need to go on to the next question. You think so? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. yes. It's All right. Okay. It's Everybody online saying you're not watching question. the clock, so I don't I want to hear anything come back at me. Fact, Ernie, you're not allowed to talk about me being long-winded this week. Okay, so we're going to go to the next question. Uh, yes. If you have to leave, you know, feel free to. We're dismissing you. Just go out into the foyer and be quiet while we continue here, okay? Uh, <laughs> thank you, panel. That was a really great response. We're going to move on to the last question. Um, question number seven is... What is the difference, and this is one of those ones that Katie's going to go, I could do a whole week teaching on this. What is the difference between the gift of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit? So I'm going to give a response and then let them jump on. John Bevere's response was, the gifts of the Spirit is placed upon someone's life by God. They're placed on you. They don't have to be cultivated or developed. The only thing that you have to develop is how to operate in them. They are given to you by God in your mother's womb. However, the fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, love, we all know this, patience, long-suffering, same word, uh, self-control. Man, do I wish self-control was placed on me by God. No, it's like doing a garden. You have to start, and Katie will tell you, they started a community, community garden with Kaylee, and you have to start, and a garden takes a lot of work to produce fruit. Um, the fruits of the Spirit have to be cultivated. So listen closely to this. The fruits of the Spirit are the result of leading a Spirit-led life. Without the Spirit, you're not going to have them. When you live and walk in the Spirit, the fruit of that is a person of greater joy, greater peace, greater patience, greater love, greater self-control, and on and on the list goes. He goes on to say, the fruits of the Spirit are for your personal life. The gifts of the Spirit are for your ministry life. The problem is, listen, people desire the gifts over the fruits. So John says, I've always prayed, God, I never want the gifts that you placed in my life to supersede the fruits that you've developed. Remember, we are to pursue the fruit of the Spirit and desire. We are to pursue the fruit and desire the gifts. Pursue the fruit, desire the gifts. The danger is when you pursue the gifts without the fruit. Without the fruit behind the gifts, you will grow weary and you will make other weary. So there's examples in the Bible. One of them is Judas, who, by the way, didn't make it. He had the gifts operating in his life. He was talented, but he didn't cultivate the fruit. And guess what? He didn't last. He didn't last. Some will say, Lord, Lord, look at what we did for you. And the Lord will respond, I knew you not. So go ahead, panel. The gifts of God in someone's life are not necessarily the approval or the anointing of God. I think that answer really expounded on everything. Um, took our whole sermon right out of, took the wind right out of our sails. I was no, so excited no, to answer. No, you jump on it. We're going to need more um, next week. So I, I think the gift... The thing that the differential is gifts of the spirit are free. They're given. Um, never can be taken away. Once you've gotten them, once you operate in them, they'll never go away. They're there. Um, and unfortunately, I think the gifts of the spirits is exactly what he said. It's what people want the most of. But really, the evidence of a Christianity is the fruits of the spirit. Right. The, 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 the real evidence of someone who is walking as a Christ-like being 
is the fruits of the Spirit. You can have the gifts and not be serving Jesus because they're given to you in the womb. You can operate in the gifts and not serve Jesus because the enemy has duplicated the gifts, but the enemy cannot duplicate the fruits of the spirit. He comes in on the opposite. Okay. So spirit. I just want to bounce off you real quick online. Somebody just said, does the Holy spirit give you the gift of prophecy? Yes. Which, yes. 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 That's so it's a spiritual gift given to you by the Holy Spirit. I believe at birth. You just need oh, to yeah. learn to operate in it. Yes. That's what you need to cultivate is how do I operate? First find out what your gifts are and then learn how to operate in them. Yes. yes. To Just to expound on that, the reason why the enemy cannot duplicate the fruits of the Spirit is because the fruit only comes from abiding in Jesus. That's right. They only come from that. The only way you get fruit on a tree is if it's connected to the branch, wow. if it comes from so the root. And, you know, uh, an orange tree can't suddenly produce apples. Right. So a, a, true, a tree bears the fruit after its root. Wow. And so if we don't have proper roots that are abiding in Jesus, we will never have proper fruit. That's right. So good. So yeah. good. Mm -hmm. To take that to where you're at, maybe right now listening at home. If anybody's ever come up to you and said, you know, I was at work the other day, and somebody just said, you know, there's something different about you. That's what we're talking about. That's mm -hmm. what the fruits of the Spirit are. And I think Mark or Angel read them quickly, but it's what the fruit is. It's us living out God's grace in the, in the fallen world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of the fruit as, as being our behaviors, mm -hmm. our attitudes, mm -hmm. our decision-making, our actions. It's that product we're building up and growing and it's the outward expression. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, those are what people see. Yeah. Because how often do we only express the gifts of the spirit inside four walls? Mm -hmm. And we're not always expressing those gifts outside those four walls. But the fruits of the spirit, they go with us everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. We're, I don't know, just lost the word, but we're expressing those through our skin. Mm -hmm. The, you know, when you walk into a room, Everything changes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's living inside yeah. of you. You just walked in that room and people sense something different. That is yeah. the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. yeah, fruits of the Spirit are the biggest weapon against the enemy in our land. It's not the gifts. The mm -hmm. weapon against the enemy is the fruits of the Spirit. Why? So because good. it's the fruits of the Spirit is who God is. So Don't be afraid to repeat this next week. We need to hear it again. Sometimes it takes numerous times. So we did not take the wind out of your sail. They're going to forget. Jerry's already sleeping in his recliner because we've gone over. So he's missed this whole last question. So let me just repeat something that's very important. Um, when, you, when you keep the questions coming in, we may have to answer them this week on our live feed. Just keep them coming. We'll look at the post and we'll try to answer them this week. When you first find out you have a gift, I would say study it out. Seek God about the parameters of this gift and, the, and how to operate in it before you begin to function in it. Does that make sense? Don't be afraid of it. Don't, don't withdraw from it. Don't use it as an excuse that you don't know how. But when you're a baby in a gift, seek counsel. Seek people who have already studied it out or studied out yourself. What does the gift of prophecy mean? How is it used today in 2020? You know, how is it used publicly in a church service? Um, what, what does it mean? Because there's a lot of danger in people who want to show off their gifts. And so we, we have a tendency to say, if you just learned how to speak in tongues, don't speak them publicly until you've learned the reverence and the holy fear that comes behind speaking those in public. You have to know it's the Spirit of God. You have to have an intimate relationship with the Spirit of God. So we say, hold back when you first receive the gift, practice them on your own privately, and then when God releases you to use them in public, as long as the church that you go to allows it, 
because um, you always submit to the authority that's above you. You never uh, st- cause division by you wanting your way instead of what the leaders have told you. Uh, we at Light and Life, we allow that as long as there's an interpretation. Uh, we follow the order of service that Paul gives in Corinthians. Um, but if you're a baby in a gift, practice it before you use it publicly. Not all the gifts are for use in public, um, but if it's a public gift especially, practice it. Um, and even if it's a private gift, if you have the, word, if you have the gift of... Uh, like giving words of knowledge and wisdom, you want to be really careful uh, to learn from that in your own life before you start practicing it on others because you can cause a lot of damage by just going ahead because you found out you had a gift and using it inappropriately. Does that make sense? Uh, Any last words because we're about to close. Yeah, I just want to say one more thing. As we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit and the manifestation of it, how you know, they are the evidence that we are Christians. They are the evidence that that we are filled, that we are overflowing from our intimacy place. Um, and that's really what I want to point out and what Angel and I are going to go into deeply next week is first we belong and then we behave. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I am not loving, I am not patient, long-suffering, what's that? Self-control, what's that? I ain't got it. There is not pressure on this. It's not hurry up and perform. It is it is slow down and find your place of belonging. It is let's let's take a moment, let's take a beat with with the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus Christ and know who we are before we feel this pressure to behave a certain way. So yeah, I just want you to know that the Lord's heart for you is that you belong and that you matter and that his yes. love yes. is what overflows over you. And from that place of intimacy and being loved, then you see these fruits yes. start to blossom and you see these gifts start to come out and overflow yes. from you. Wow. So that what is a great plug for next week. Was that a great plug for next yeah, week? You better come back. Better tune in <laughs> next week because you're going to get those answers. So we're going we're gonna to end in prayer. prayer. We're not going to end in worship. I'm going to have Katie end us in prayer if you're willing to, uh, nice and loud. Um, but one, the last question that came online just stumped me. So you did good until right to the end. Where do I find the gifts of the Holy Spirit in Scripture? How do I know what they are? 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 lists the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's where you can go and find out uh, those. So also Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 and 5. So you can go there, uh, study out what the gifts are. We have a gift test that you can take here at Light and Life. You don't have to be a member or attend here. If you would like to take a gift test to find out what your spiritual gifts are, um, please contact us on our, our Facebook page or website. Uh, we'll somehow try to get you that, and then you'll have to bring it back, obviously, and we'll give you the results of that. There was a really good teaching on our live feed um, that we did that covered we'll each of the gifts in depth. So on our live feed, if you go to the Facebook page, look through the videos, Katie and Angel in our home in the parsonage, they did a teaching on that. So if whoever asked that question, just go through our videos and find those two or one. Is it one or two? Two, two part video on the spiritual gifts and explaining spiritual warfare and all of that, how to use them. So what's that? Oh, it should be on a playlist section. So you should be able to find it. So Katie's going to close us in prayer. Thank you for joining us. Are we incredibly gifted? Or, or are we incredibly blessed to have this team in our church? We are so honored to have you in our church family. Uh, you're a treasure to us and to God. Uh, thank you so much for putting yourself out there today, for the world to see the answers to, your, to the questions that they pose. Um, uh, we are so um, moved by the fact that you were able, willing to humble yourself before us today. Thank you. I am honored to know all of you. Katie, will you close us out? 
Thank you. I'm actually going to invite us to stand. Sure. Let's stand in your home. Stand up in yep. your home. <sighs> wow. Man, let's just take a minute and really just center our focus back on the presence of God. <sighs> Father, we just breathe you in. Lord, your word says that in you we live and move and have our very being. And so, Lord, we just honor your spirit that is the breath in our lungs, that is the spirit of grace that moves us, that inspires us, that comforts us, that teaches us. God, we honor you this morning. Lord, we lift you up. <laughs> Jesus, we say be glorified. Jesus, we love you, we adore you, and we thank you that you have been with us this morning, that you go with us from this place, from our homes, into our kitchens, into our bedrooms. Lord, you are with us in every step, and we honor that. We recognize it. Father, I ask that you would continue to release your spirit over your children. God, you see the hearts, you see the hunger, you see the questions, you even see the fear and the doubt, God, and you're not pushed away by it. God, you see it and you draw close because your word is a testimony to your pursuit of love. And so, Lord, we choose to slow down and let your love catch up with us. God, your word says that your mercy, your loving kindness and your mercy chases us all the days of our life. God, and it is our desire to simply be the object of your desire, to be your child, to be your bride, to be your beloved. God, and we want to learn to reflect that love back to you and reflect it to the world around us. So Lord, would you lead us into green pastures? Would you lead us beside still waters? Would you lead us to intimate places, God, where we could see you and know you and experience you? God, speak to us and reveal to us the way you want to talk to us. God, we love you, and we just want more of you. So Holy Spirit, would you go from this place? Would you reach into the homes, reach into our hearts, and would you captivate us? Would you inspire us that we would hunger and thirst for more of the King of glory, for more of your presence in our life, that we would have these fruits of the Spirit overflow from us? God, make us more like Jesus, but help us to become like him because we spend time with him, because he rubs off on us. So, Lord, we love you. We confess you are great and glorious and mighty and powerful. And we place all these words, all these topics, all these points into your great and marvelous hands. And we ask you to seal up the work that you've done in this time. God, and let fall away anything that doesn't belong. But, Lord, seal up what you want in the hearts of your children today and expound on it by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today. We love you. We miss you. It's going to be an incredible uh, reunion when we get back together. And, and I just want to thank you for letting us go late today. Um, I, I just want you to, uh, this is the word of the Lord for you in closing. God responds to hunger. And I love the fact that you're hungry enough that you never want us to sign off. And so God will, God will bless that. Keep being hungry and chasing God, and he's going to respond. And keep inviting the Holy Spirit into your life every single morning that you wake up. Take him to work with you. Have him in your home, especially in your home. That's your first ministry. Uh, thanks, guys. I love you. Uh, we'll see you next week.